0: pray with me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, to be together and to celebrate all that you've done this week. Thank you for getting us through the struggles of this week. And we praise you for an opportunity today to hear your voice. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. Move in and through us. Help us to hear your voice as we share with one another your love. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from John chapter 5. And and before we... Excuse me. Before we read this, my voice is changing in case you don't. I finally hit that age. Uh, I, you know, I, I must be 14. It's happening all week. So, hey, we're finally getting there. Uh, before we read this morning, I, I just I want to remind you that, you know, summer's over. Yeah. Okay, now, <clears throat> some of you are going to miss some things about summer. And I want you to think about what are you going to miss about summer? It's over, right? Because it was over, what, Wednesday, right? So what are you going to miss? Some people, Zach, will miss some things about summer. Our scripture comes from John chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9. And i got to get my glasses on. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now, there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who had been there... Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. May God add God's blessings, the reading and hearing of this God's most holy word. Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for your words that have been spoken already. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can open our hearts to you. Thank you for this moment where we are able to stop and reflect on some words that you have spoken. Help us, Lord Jesus, to hear your voice in the midst of all the other voices around us. Help us to pick yours out and to hear what you have to say to us this morning, that we might respond to you, that we might be drawn to you, that we might be transformed by you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this moment this morning. And I thank you, Father, for this opportunity to speak your word. and I ask that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy, except by your incredible grace. You have been so good to us. We put our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So. (laughs) Kenny, Kenny, the end of (laughs) summer, Kenny the end of summer. How many of you are going to miss summer? Raise your hand if you're going to miss summer. All right, look at that. Right, the majority, Kenny, sorry. The majority are going to miss summer. <laughs> so what are you going to miss about summer? Heat. Vacation. Swimming. Yes. Up in the balcony. Anybody going to miss summer up in the balcony? Nobody misses summer up there. I don't believe. (laughs) Yeah, uh, boy, this is a tough crowd this morning. So I'm going to talk to these folk over here. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, summer comes to the end. and, and, And there are things that you remember about summer. There are some things about summer that are really neat. And one of them, of course, is vacation time, to get some time off and just to relax, to go out and sit by the pool. And just kind of, you know, let, let your hair down a little bit, if you have any, and uh, just kind of relax and say, wow, uh, you know, time off, time away, and you can watch the pool and, and just relax. And, and it's wonderful, right? Except sometimes we forget the hard parts about summer, like sitting around the pool, or perhaps uh, having sunburn, mosquito bites. You remember those things, right? Those all come with summer, don't they? When summer's over, all those little bugs disappear. And so there are things about summer we remember that are just wonderful. And we We kind of can't wait for those things next year. But if we're honest with ourselves, we begin to realize there are things about summer that wasn't quite as great as we thought they were. I wonder this morning what the man by the pool of Bethesda remembered about sitting by the pool. Did he remember his friends that he hung out with there at the pool? Other people who had struggles, and, and they had common struggles, and they could relate with one another, and they could just spend time together, and they understood one another. They understood the struggles they, they, they faced, and, and they liked hanging out with each other to a certain extent. Or, or maybe, maybe he remembered that question. Did you notice that question that Jesus asked him? Do you want to be well or to be whole, the, the Greek? translation is, is more accurately uh, set out there. Do you want to be better? Do you really want to get well? And in those words, there's this, this image of hope, right? That maybe you could be well. Maybe you could be better. Maybe things could be different. Or, or maybe what, what he remembers most is that man who came walking by, who had that authority That authority to change the situation, to not just change the situation, but to change him. What is it that this man would remember most? You know, I'm sure that when we remember things, uh, at least I try to remember all the good things, right? I I try to forget all the bad things because I want to remember the good things, right? But there are some things that in the midst of the good stick out. What do we do with those things? Where do we go with that? This morning, I want you to think about what you remember about this summer. What what do you remember about your life before you met Jesus? And if you haven't met Jesus... I encourage you this morning to meet him, because he's here, and he wants to make a difference in your life. He wants to step into your life. He's alive and well, and he wants to make a difference in your life. And we've seen him transform people's lives over and over again. He wants to do that this morning in your life. But you've got you to let him in. He's not going to push his way in. That's the thing about Jesus. Lord of lords, king of kings, and he doesn't push his way into your life. He asks you questions like, do you really want to be well? And then he offers you a chance at change. So what do you remember about the pool days? What do you remember about those days years ago or maybe this last summer? Well, perhaps you remember hanging out with the broken people. Uh, I, I think about how broken we all are. You know, we're all broken in some way, aren't we? It wasn't just these guys who sat around the pool. We all have some brokenness within us. We've all had some relationships that didn't work out. We've all had some, uh, some struggles, some trials in our lives, some physical, some emotional, some spiritual. We've all had some brokenness in our lives. As a matter of fact, the Scripture is clear that we all are broken spiritually and that we're broken in our relationship with God. And we call that sin, Anything you say, do, or think that goes against the Word of God is sin. And, and so we're all broken in that way. We, we all sit by the same pool. And, and there's something about sitting around that pool that, that, that makes you stop and think, I want you to think about this man sitting by the pool. Here he is with all these other people that are in the same boat he's in. They're waiting for the water to be stir, stirred. Now, if you had the King James Version or some of, of the other translations, you will notice that there's a verse 4. If you were reading the New International Version like we did uh, this morning, you'll notice that verse 4 is missing altogether. Verse 4 is most likely not in the original transcript. However, it does give us some idea of what's going on. Because you see. probably a later scribe added verse 4, which helps us begin to understand what was going on. For those of us who did not grow up in Jerusalem and don't know what's going on, you see in Jerusalem, this pool was a place where people believed that an angel would come down and stir the water or... A god would come down, depending on how you understand those, those words, those, those phrases, would come down and stir the water, and the first one into the water would be healed. That was the belief of the day. If you could just get in the water first, you would be healed. This man, however, was unable to get in the water first because he had no one to help him and because he was stuck on the outside, not able to get in, literally, the water and so he saw no way he could get there his brokenness was was permanent as far as he could see he sat with other broken people they talked uh, about their brokenness they they shared together i can't imagine uh he's for 38 years had this brokenness and some would say, well, obviously, he shouldn't be able to get in the pool because there's a thing called the survival of the fittest. You ever hear that? It's, it's a philosophy that's thrown out today, like, like it doesn't really affect people. Um, it, it's just the way life is. The fact of the matter is, it's not the way life is, nor is it the way life should be. Jesus teaches us a whole nother philosophy Not the survival of the fittest, but the coming together to encourage and uplift and help one another. And that's this man's problem. He's got no one to help him in the pool. And this competition's going on, you see. So I don't want to help you, and you don't want to help me, because if you get in there first, I don't get healed. I went to Michigan Technological University, uh, where the... uh, opportunity to make it to the next year uh, was predicated on the fact that the person, that a certain number of persons in your class were not going to make the grade. So there was a big competition going on uh, about who was going to make the grade so that you could be there next year. Now I was there two years not because I was able to make the grade so, so much as I got there by the skin of my teeth. Uh, but, but then I began to question, why am I working so hard at this anyway? I'm not sure I want to be here. Uh, but that's a whole other story. Uh, the point of the matter is that there was this competition, dog eat dog. Man, I'll tell you what, nobody studied with one another. Nobody helped one another. If you didn't get get it, that was tough luck for you. Because I want to get a better grade than you so that I'm here next year. And what was really fascinating was that the Baptist Student Union decided we were going to get together and study together anyway. And so we all got together and studied together. And it was a powerful time of fellowship, of study, of sharing together in the love of Christ and the school students hated us. You just want to get a better grade than us. No, 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 no. You're welcome to join us, we would say. No, not me. I don't want to be a part of that. Isn't that weird? You you know why? Because the philosophy was that if if you could beat the other guy, you would win. The truth of the matter is when we work together is when we win. Isn't that true? Don't buy into this world's idea that the survival of the fittest is the way it is. It's not the way it is. Jesus shows us a better way. Sharing together, loving one another, caring for one another. That's what it should really have been about around that pool. As they hung around, and as they tried to figure out what to do about their brokenness, and they seemed to fall short and coming to understand what would be best. Now, I'm sure there were some who walked by the pool, like Jesus did, who walked by and kind of shook their head. Look at those poor people. Isn't that a shame? That's just too bad. But there's way too many of them. There's just nothing I can do about it. When I was in Philadelphia, I worked for the Philadelphia Committee on the Homeless. And I was amazed. In some of the richest districts of the city, and next to the richest um, restaurants, you would see people all dressed up walking into the restaurants, stepping on, over homeless people who hadn't had a bite to eat in weeks and going in and eating and coming out. And you could hear them say, those poor people, isn't that a shame? Isn't it weird how our world works? Jesus had a different plan. Jesus is walking by and he sees this man. And when he sees it, oh, by the way, getting ahead of myself here. By the way, the other thing that I think is really interesting is, you know, some people, uh, some people don't want to get well. Have you ever noticed that? Some people don't want to get well. As a matter of fact, if you remember the Israelites, remember the Israelites—they were slaves in Egypt, and God, by the power of His mighty hand, brought them out of Egypt. You remember this, don't you? You remember the ten plagues? Anybody remember the ten plagues? Is anybody still awake? All right, all right—the uh, uh, the ten plagues—and here they come, marching out of Egypt, and and they were free, and oh boy, they they tasted the knicker of uh, of freedom and just filled with excitement. And they got out in the wilderness. You remember this story? And they get out in the wilderness, and they're stuck out in the wilderness. And they're getting sick of manna. They had manna everything. Uh, Keith Green wrote a a song one time about that. He had all kinds of manna things. But manna pancakes, uh, manna... Manna burgers, filet of manna. Can you imagine how many ways can you cook manna? After a while, it gets kind of old. And they got tired of being out because it got hard. And when it got hard, they decided maybe, and they said this. Look at this. They said this in Numbers chapter 14. They said to each other, we should choose a leader and go what? Go back to Egypt. What? What? Go back to the slavery that they were in before. Here they are free. Yeah, it's difficult. It's, it's a struggle, but at least they're free. Free to choose, free to live, free to be. And they want to go back. Why? Because it's difficult. I wonder if this man, having been set free from his infirmity by Jesus, didn't over time walk around saying, boy, I miss hanging out with the boys by the pool. Because it's difficult now to live. I've got to do for myself. i got to get things going. i got to be somebody. Jesus set him free to be somebody. As a matter of fact, if you read on, and don't do it now, please, but later on. You can read on, and what you'll discover is that Jesus finds him again and says, hey, go and stop sinning so something worse doesn't happen to you. In other words, change your life. Be somebody. When God steps in and heals us, touches us, transforms us, he transforms us to be somebody special. As a matter of fact, he sees us as somebody special. Don't go back. Don't go back to the pool. Not only does this man hang out with the broken, but he's fighting to maintain hope. Do you see that? He's fighting to maintain hope. Jesus comes to him and asks him this question, which almost seems out of the ordinary. Do you really want to be healed, Jesus says? I, I used to wonder about that question until one day I was walking in the streets of Philadelphia, and this guy comes up to me, and he's got this sore, and it stinks. And he says, could you give me some fare?" Uh, to to take a taxi to the hospital, I said no. My car's right over there. I'll give you a ride. He says no, no, no. I don't want to inconvenience you. Won't you give me ju- just just uh, bus fare? Give me bus fare. No, I, I'm I'm willing to take it. I mean, this looks bad, guy. You, you, no, 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 no. He says I don't I, I don't want to put you out. How about the subway? I said no. I, come on, I'm trying to push him towards the car he says no 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 and he walks off and starts to find somebody else you know why i found out later that he actually took that that scab when it scabbed over and he'd rip it open and the reason he would do that is because he could get money from people to support his addiction that's how desperately he was stuck in the hands and in the arms of addiction oh man my heart was breaking Let me take you to the hospital. No. You see, the question is, do you want to be well? I think that's an important question. There are some people who have just given up hope. And they say, no, there's no hope for me. I'm done. And they don't continue to seek the help they can get. Now, this has been 38 years this poor man's been going through this. I'm sure he looked for cures. Early on, I'm sure he went to doctor after doctor after doctor. He's now moved into the realm of if the doctors can't fix it, then it's something supernatural has to happen. And in his desperation, he finds himself by the pool of Bethesda. A pool where there's this superstition, and really that's what it was. That if somebody if the water stirred, he could get in and maybe be healed. He's fighting to maintain hope, hoping to get in, hoping that perhaps he could be healed, perhaps even by his own effort. Do you see that? If I could just get in the pool. Our world is full of self help books. You can, you can go to the bookstore and there's uh, just aisle after aisle of self-help books. And you can read self-help books up and down, up and down, up and down. And they may make you feel better for a while. But the truth of the matter is, until you let Jesus come into your life, all self-help books do is make you feel better for the time. When Jesus steps into your life, He begins to transform you from the inside out, not from the outside in. You cannot defeat the sin in your life by yourself. That's the truth of the matter. In order to be changed, in order to be different, you have to have that relationship with Jesus Christ. He's the only one that gives a hope that is realized. And when He comes into your life, there's always hope. Always hope. Because when he comes into your life, he's the one that can change things. This man was just trying to maintain hope. As a matter of fact, when Jesus asked him, do you want to be well, what's he say? I've got no one. I'm hopeless. You're looking at someone who's hopeless. You know how many people I've talked to said, even God couldn't fix me? They've said that to me. I've had people say that to me. That's the saddest moment in my ministry. How can you say that? The Almighty God, the Lord Jesus, who loves you very much, He can change you. There's always hope with Jesus. And so this man, allowing Jesus to come into him, all of a sudden finds the hope that we all need. The psalmist said, blessed are those, blessed are those. You know what, blessed means happy. And and despite the fact that many of you don't have a smile on your face, Um, I'm hoping that that changes pretty soon because the truth of the matter is happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. I I can't imagine this guy, okay, Jesus says, get up, take your mat and walk. He gets up, takes his mat and walks, and he walks around like this. I I know a lot of Christians like that. Really? Jesus saved you and you walk around with a pout on your face. You say, but pastor, you don't understand. I have other problems in my life. I have other trials in my life. That's exactly right. Don't go back to the pool. Put your hope in Jesus and celebrate what he's done for you and watch. He's going to begin to transform those other things. You know, some people have this idea that the minute you become a Christian, everything's perfect. That was only true in my life. (laughs) Don't believe that, huh? The truth of the matter is that after we become a Christian, things continue to be difficult at times. Trials still come our way. The difference is we know that Jesus can make a difference and we put our hope in him and we wait upon him. The scripture says those who wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength, Isaiah the prophet said. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Why not? Because they have hope. Fights to maintain hope. And then, uh, to me, one of the most amazing things is he's willing to take a risk. I, I mean, in some ways, he's willing to take a, a silly risk. Can you imagine if he could have gotten in the water when the water stirred? Was he able to swim? I don't know. I wonder that. That's taking a big chance. It's big, a, a huge chance. But he takes another chance, you see. Uh, he t- He takes... <laughs> You see, jumping in the pool is a calculated risk, perhaps. Uh, and there are people that try this all the time. You know, they're, they're ready to take that calculated risk. Uh, but I, I got a better plan for you. I got a better plan for you. When you feel like you're drowning, reach out and take a risk with Jesus. When this man puts his, believes enough in Jesus to do what Jesus says he takes a bigger risk than you and I understand. You see, Jesus wasn't someone that everybody loved and thought he was great. Jesus was one whom the religious leaders despised. They called him a heretic. As a matter of fact, they eventually kill him for it. And if you're going to obey what the heretic says, then you put yourself in jeopardy of being kicked out of the church. You see, this was a big risk for this man to do what Jesus said. Furthermore, it was on the Sabbath, a day when you weren't supposed to do any work, and carrying your mat was seen as work. And yet something within this man is willing to take a risk. Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk. And what's he do? Believe it or not, he picks up his mat and walks. Now, some of you don't get this. I get this. I grew up in a charismatic church. And we wheeled a guy in the sanctuary one Sunday that the doctor said would never walk again. And he sat in the back because he was kind of embarrassed. He couldn't walk. He sat in the back. And as we began to pray, the pastor said to him, get up and walk. And the man walked down the aisle. And he's walking. As far as I know, he's still walking to this day. God can do that. Now, God doesn't do that for everybody. Sometimes God uses the struggles we have, right? Right? To share with others God's love, we, we had a, a friend in uh, in Maine who uh, was had a lot of physical disabilities, and he always said to me, he said, the boss, he called God the boss. He said, the boss decided I could handle this junk piece of body, and he's given it to me. Now, this friend of ours was constantly, had gone to doctors, had also Gone to try to seek faith healing in many different ways. God saw fit not to heal him. His witness was stronger because of his weakness. What's the Apostle Paul say? Hmm? For it's in our weaknesses that he is strong. Is that true? You all with me? But you've got to be willing to take the risk at the start and obey what Jesus says to you. Now, see, this is where we get kind of confused because... You've decided what God's supposed to say to the people across the aisle, and I've decided what God's supposed to say to you, and you've decided what God's supposed to say to me. And that's when we get into all kinds of trouble. Notice there were a lot of invalids there. Jesus didn't say to everybody there, all right, I'm going to heal you all up, and and they all got up and went away healed. He had a special message for this man for that moment. God has a message for you. He's calling you to step out in faith. He's calling you to take a risk. He's not calling you to stay in your cocoon of comfort and and self-righteousness. He's calling you to step out in faith and love people who are hard to love. He's calling you to get up out of the pew and go to the pool and have compassion on those who are unable to help themselves, who are stuck in their sin, lost in their confusion, afraid of this world. An opportunity to step in and say, hey, God has a plan for you. He loves you very much. Won't you get up and come with me? And let's hear what God has to say for you and for me. He's willing to take a risk. All right, now I want you to come with me, if you would, by the pool of Bethsaida a minute. Just come with me and remember. remember your day When Jesus came to you, and and maybe it's today. Maybe Jesus is coming to you today. And He's saying, listen, I want to heal your brokenness. I want to start healing you from within. And I'm here right now. And He's calling you to open your heart to Him. And ask Him to forgive you and transform you, make you more like him. Now maybe you've been a believer. And you've been following Jesus, but of late, you find yourself struggling with some brokenness that's still there. You see, when you come to Christ, it's not all taken away. Christ works on you, piece by piece. It's like a big puzzle, and he puts the pieces back together. And he's with compassion, healing your brokenness a piece at a time. And maybe there's a piece that God has, Jesus has in his hand right now, and he wants to heal that. And you've been holding back. I'm going to ask you this morning just to say, okay, Jesus, here I am. Heal this broken part. I claim to follow you if I'm going to follow you then I have to allow you to heal me. I want I want to be well. Maybe you're on the verge of giving up hope. You've been looking around saying I I don't see how this is ever going to end and I'm tired. The world will tell you to give up hope. Went to a seminar one time about living wills, and they they began to tell us how, you know, the last few weeks of life are your most expensive weeks of your life. Did you know that? The last few weeks of your life, because you'll be in the hospital, they put you on a machine, it'll cost you and, and everybody else a whole lot of money. And they say, wouldn't it be much better if you were dead? No hope. Now, I understand that there comes a time when we're just, trying to keep the body alive and, and, it's, and it's over and we need to stop. But that decision needs to be made with family and, and your belief system and all those things. That thing shouldn't be made, by the way, I don't believe, um, by a piece of paper. And Jesus would come in. Uh, you don't, how do you know if Jesus will heal you or not? So you need to be seeking him in that moment. What does Jesus want? In that moment. It's not about what is most comfortable for us. In Jesus, there's always hope. And even if that is the end, this is the best part. Even if that is the end. The Apostle Paul said, if, we, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be of all, pity, of all people most pitied. Because there's hope for eternal life in Jesus Christ. You see, this world isn't all there is. You know that. I know that. The world's trying to tell us this is all there is. And yet, when they go to the funeral, they all say, well, he or she's where? In a better place. Wait a minute. I go to school. I go to work. I go to to the, the sciences, and they tell me this is all there is. I go to the funeral home, and everybody says they're in a better place. See, everybody knows. It's no secret that there is more than this life. The good news is that in Jesus Christ, the eternal life is guaranteed. Guaranteed. Not maybe, not could be, not might be, but it is guaranteed. If you put your trust in Jesus Christ this morning, ask Him to come forgive you of your sin, He'll come in He'll cleanse you. He'll begin to transform your life. And He will guarantee you. He'll send the Holy Spirit, which the Scripture says is the guarantee of eternal life. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, thank you, Pat. Somebody's excited? (laughs) That's what God has to offer, and lastly, I want to ask you if you'd be willing to take a chance. Take a chance. Step out. I want to warn you. First Thessalonians, um, First Thessalonians chapter two. um, I'm sorry, chapter one, uh, verse eight, gives us a warning. It basically says if you're not willing to take a chance with Jesus then He's not going to take a chance with you. I'm paraphrasing. You can read it for yourself. If you're not willing to take a chance with Jesus, He's not willing to take a chance with you. What that means is if you should die without Jesus, the Scripture is very clear, you die without hope, you die without life, and you die without love. And you go to a place where there is no hope, where there is no life at all deadness. I'm not talking about nothingness. I'm talking about deadness. I'm talking about brokenness. And there is is no love. On the other hand, if you would be willing to follow Jesus' command, if you would be willing to follow Him, then He's going to set you on a new path. He says this, He's going to make you fishers of men. I loved it uh, a couple weeks ago. I called Donald up. I said, "Donald, you have a new grandbaby." Yeah, Liliana. Who's here this morning? That's exciting. And uh, I said, uh, "Well, what are the, what, what what are the you know the the dimensions here? Of this child? Well, uh, seven pounds, seven seven nine, and, and he said, "And he said, tw- he said twenty one inches long." And I heard a voice in the background say, 20 inches. And he said, well, I'm a fisherman. (laughs) 21 inches. He said, by Sunday, it'll be 23. (laughs) (laughs) Keeps getting bigger. You know, Jesus has called us to be fishers of people, to reaching out to them and sharing with them the love of Christ. That's his command. Now, that command may be different for you in different ways than it is for me. I mean, he's called me to stand up here and talk to you fine folk and encourage you to do this. He may be talking to you to speak specifically to a person that you know, or, or to share the love, love with someone you know, or maybe there's someone in financial straits that you know that needs help, that we could help, and God has placed them on your heart this morning. I, I don't know what Jesus is saying to you. See, that's the hard part about my job, because my job is to share with you what Jesus said, and then you're supposed to hear what he's saying to you, not to me. But I can guarantee you, if you open your heart to Him, He's going to speak to you this morning. He has something for you. He's got a command for you. And maybe it's as exciting as pick up that mat that you've been sitting on, wallowing in your brokenness, and walk away whole. That's my prayer for you this morning. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank You for our time together, for Your Word, and for Your love. Now we've heard your voice, Lord. Help us to respond. If you truly are our Lord, if you really have that authority, which we believe you do, which we've declared you have in our lives, help us now to step, step forth. Lord, Lord, I pray for those who came this morning without a relationship with you. Uh, they they may be regular attenders here. That, that's not about a relationship with you. I pray, Father... That that this morning they would open their hearts to have a personal relationship with you. I just ask Jesus that you would step into their lives, uh, step into their brokenness, uh, touch them, ask them the question: Do they do they want to be well? And Father, I, I believe they do. Why else would they be here? Certainly not to hear me or to to um, to be changed by what we do here. But Lord, they they need to be changed by you. Because we can't, we can't help them. So come, Lord Jesus. Touch their hearts. Draw them to you. Lord, we, we, we lift this time to you. Um, and we respond. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.